The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Beloved, our 16th annual National Summer Preacher Series this summer bears witness to the gospel by reflection on the theme Lucan Biblical Theology. Please join us for in-person worship each Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. As able, please stand in the praise of God. Yeah. 
we pray. O Lord, mercifully receive the prayers of your people who call upon you, and grant that they may know and understand what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, we pause for a moment of contrition, of compunction, of lament, of regret, a confession of where and as we have fallen short in thought and word and deed. As the choir guides us, may we offer our silent prayer. Let us pray. Well, beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Amos, chapter 7, verses 7 through 17. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. 
Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to King Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the very center of the house of Israel. The land is not able, able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against this house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be parceled out by line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from this land. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now please join me in reading responsively Psalm 82 with the antiphon. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? 
Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of a hymn. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Christ. Against a dark background of economic need revealed in violent thievery, our gospel sings out a majestic ode to mercy. Against a dark background of cultural violence revealed in highway robbery, the taking of what is not one's own, our parable pronounces a poetic ode to mercy. Against a dark background of racial contest revealed in the starring role of the Samaritan, Our Lord acclaims a gem-like ode to mercy. Against a full and darkly difficult background of taking what is not one's own, Luke's own biblical theology starkly epitomized in chapter 10, perhaps and rightly the best known and most beloved passage in scripture, gives melodic voice to an ode to mercy. We listen this beautiful Sunday morning First, for a moment, to Luke, and second, for a moment, to the Samaritan. 
What meets us in St. Luke this summer? Luke was written nearly a generation later than Mark by most estimates. Mark in or near 70 CE, Luke in or near 85 to 90 CE. Traditionally ascribed to Luke the physician, its author and that of its sequel, The Acts of the Apostles, is finally unknown to us. We know him only through the writing itself. And what do we find? Or what shall we find in prayerful conversation with Luke across this summer and beyond? Luke is made up of a mixture of ingredients. First, Luke uses most of Mark. Like Matthew, Luke knew and repeated most of the earliest gospel, Mark. But he made changes along the way or construed the gospel according to his own desires and emphases. This is hopeful for us in that it is an encouragement for us to take the gospel in hand and interpret it according to our time, location, understanding, and need. This requires that so long left behind over 50 years, a sound liberal biblical theology. Second, Luke uses a collection of teachings called Q, as does Matthew. An example is our Lord's Prayer later in the service. Luke's version is slightly different from that in Matthew, as is his version of the Beatitudes and other teachings found in the Sermon on the Plain rather than the Sermon on the Mount. Third, Luke makes ample use of material that is all his own, not found in Mark or elsewhere. The long chapters from Luke 8 or so through Luke 18 or so, very much including the pinnacle parable this morning, are all his. Examples include some of your favorite parables, like today's Good Samaritan, like the lost sheep, and like the prodigal son, and like the dishonest steward. We have Luke to thank for the remembrance of these great stories. Luke brings us a unique mixture of materials and makes his own particular use of them. Luke weaves together his own perspective and materials with that of the rest of the scripture. Luke has a passion for compassion and sings out, as today, a song, an ode, an accolade through and through to mercy, to justice. Real religion, by Luke's measurement, is not ever very far from justice, from a concern for justice, for the just cause, the just word, the just deed, the just perspective, including today. Luke draws from the whole, the whole of Scripture, to craft his two books, the Gospel and Acts. So look for a moment at the rest of Scripture. Tragically, sadly, in this last month, we may be closer than we have been in a long time to real, though harshly administered, reflection on matters of interpretation of, an, of ancient documents, whether the Holy Bible from thousands of years ago or the United States Constitution from hundreds of years ago. Interpretation really matters. Interpretation really matters matters. Biblical theology, a sound mode of interpretation, matters, counts, and lasts. A purely originalist view, whether for constitution or scripture, will bring its own maladies. As bear witness following the Supreme Court decision leaked earlier but announced last month, 
Are we to read these documents only as collection of, collections of topics from the past, cemented in antique times and places? Or are we to read them regarding their themes, their living themes, not just their topics, and the lasting, growing, consequential outworking of these themes in both history and theology, or both history and philosophy? Topics or themes? Origin or meaning? There is a biblical theme today undergirding the Samaritan, the most marvelous of parables, and that theme is justice. It lives throughout Scripture. Read the books of the law, like Exodus 23. You shall not oppress a stranger. You know the heart of a stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. Remember, the Hebrew scripture, our Older Testament, was largely composed in the dark days of a later slavery, the, ba the bondage of Babylon. In that moment of memory, the community of faith recalled keenly their earliest history of God's love and power, the God who brought them up out of the land of slavery to the land of milk and honey. And they mused, we know what it means to be poor, to be oppressed, to be outcast, to be downtrodden. Once we were ourselves, therefore, there will be justice in our land for the poor. You and you all know that too. You may need to search your extended family histories and memories for, say, what happened to your people in the Great Depression. We learned something, or reminded, were reminded of something then, as were the Israelites dragged again in chains to Babylon in 587 BCE. Luke writes in earshot of Babylon. Read together the books of the prophets, the very heart of the Old Testament, in all religious literature, in all human history, there is nothing quite as sobering, as piercingly and stingingly direct with regard to justice as these 16 voices for the louder and 12 the lesser. Malachi teaches tithing. Isaiah affirms holiness. Hosea preaches love. Micah shouts, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Together, the prophets consistently rail against human greed, human selfishness, human covetousness, human apathy. The harvest here for our theme is so plentiful, it's difficult to select an exemplar. There are so many. But perhaps Amos will do best our lectionary guest this morning. In the 8th century before the Common Era, a shepherd boy from Tekoa went to the gates of the big city Jerusalem and cried out against it. He pilloried the shallow religion of his day. He assaulted the reliance, the naive over-reliance of his government on weapons of war. He bitterly chastised the amoral, post-moral practices of human sexuality of his day. But he saved his real fierce anger for injustice. Thus saith the Lord, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. They that trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth 
and turn aside the way of the afflicted? Amos 2. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down as waters, and righteousness as an ever-flowing stream. Recall Martin Luther King reciting these verses down in the sweltering little jailhouse of Birmingham, Alabama, 1963. Read together the books of wisdom, especially as we do each Sunday, the book of the Psalms. Let us read together the books of wisdom, for love is for the wise, and justice is the skeleton of love. When the just are in authority, Proverbs 29, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. The just man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Because the poor are despoiled, Psalm 11, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says, says the Lord. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. In an odd way, the most sobering judgment about justice is offered by Ecclesiastes, who speaks least directly to the theme, but his philosophy is clear, his thematic emphasis. He looks at all the toil of the sons of men and sees vanity. He warns, that for which you strive will not last, that for which you suffer will not endure. What has a man for all the toil and strain with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of pain, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his mind does not rest. Ecclesiastes 2. An Indian proverb puts it, in his lifetime the goose lords it over the mushroom, but in the end they are both served up on the same platter, each a reminder. Justice lasts, not acquisition. Justice lasts, not acquisition. More, to understand or interpret the parable of the Good Samaritan, this magisterial parable, one needs more than origination, more than topics, more than the geography between Jerusalem and Jericho. One needs to hear it in the heart of Luke, and in the fullness of Scripture. One needs a sure grasp of the great themes of Scripture, not just the topics. So listen second this morning again to the Samaritan. Against a full and darkly difficult background of the taking what is, uh, of what is not one's own, Luke's own biblical theology is starkly epitomized here in chapter 10 perhaps and rightly the best known and most beloved passage in scripture, which gives melodic voice to an ode to mercy. An ode, says Webster, something that shows respect for or celebrates the worth or influence of another. An ode in a general sense, and one here today full of surprises. Surprises, notice them in Luke 10. The breadth of life promise. Do this and you will live. 
the honesty about random peril, hurt along the road of life, the abject failure of the clergy, priests and Levites to respond, the heroism of the excluded, the heroism of the Samaritan, the touch, time, treasure, tenacity of the care, seeing, anointing, bandaging, carrying, paying, returning, the timely, welcome, open space at the inn, unlike the inn at Christmas, the jarring turn of neighbor from object to subject, not who to care for, but who truly cares, and the questioning of the questioner, such a diamond, such a gem, such a masterpiece, this parable. In our own moment, we may be nourished by such an ode, how dearly we need that nourishment. For we now awake every morning, unlike those mornings prior to November of 2016, when still there lingered the prospect of a common hope, arising to see in every direction something else, the taking of what is not one's own. Pollution, Putin, pandemic, politics, prejudice, pistols, and pain. Climate, pollution, the taking of the green earth by one generation when it surely belongs to all future generations. The taking of land by one country, Russia, in inch-by-inch inch slaughter of another, Ukraine. The taking of public health, which, like water and air, are common good, not one's own, but taken nonetheless, mainly by not facing it as a whole, as a nation, together in the two years of COVID cave. The taking of political activity, engagement, and truth, and making of it into a seedbed for autocracy. The taking of the tragic history of racial justice, the half has never been told and making of it into a mode of argument, of jousting, of contest. The taking of freedom from fear of gun violence, of freedom owed children in schools and at parades, as if their freedom from trauma were ours to take. And now, in addition, the taking of women's bodies and the coming frightful multiplication of needless and heedless pain. Women's bodies are women's bodies. And the theme underlying all these, the sordid taking of what is not one's own, the rapacious seizing of what is another's, what belongs to another. How utterly, staggeringly different our Samaritan gospel today from all this. The picture judging us from antiquity, the account of love of neighbor. Yet, there are glimmers of encouragement in every day and in every week, including this. We have had a week and more of reminders, like that of the Samaritan himself, of how good life can be. 
One loves his northern neighbor by the honoring of Canada Day with a maple leaf flag posted. One loves her next door neighbor with anniversaries and birthdays with strawberry pies. A community loves the neighborhood by funding block parties for dancing, county fairs for the Dairy Princesses, symphony concerts on village greens with the star-spangled banner all standing, and then some Strauss and some dancing to it, and of course the requisite John Williams compositions all nodding, and a Sousa march as cherry on top. Our own existential plumb line, inherited from Amos and the truth of Holy Writ, of biblical theology is not entirely forgotten yet in our common culture, nor is our own ex existential call to mercy in the glorious example of the Samaritan. And that is truly good news. What shall we do? Jesus answered, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. What shall we do? But you are doing it. By private prayer, in attendance on ordered worship, in a ministry of outreach, outreach to the shut-in and homebound, in preparation for a holiday barbecue, in the planning for choirs and programs and study groups to come in the autumn, in offering a kind word, in charitable, generous giving, in noticing hurt and offering help. In noticing hurt and offering help. What shall we do? Jesus answers, learn from the Samaritan. Jesus answers, show mercy. And Jesus gives us something we can do to preserve a glimmer of personal encouragement. The practice daily of the love of neighbor. The practice daily of the love of neighbor. An ode to mercy, go and do likewise. An ode to mercy, go and do likewise. An ode to mercy, go and do likewise. Amen.
may be seated. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he advised, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So let us heed his advice and pray. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Gracious God, joyfully we give you thanks and praise, for through your perfect love, you have rescued us from darkness and enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We adore you and strive to live a life worthy of your love, but we confess that we fall short. And so in the midst of overwhelming indifference and cruelty, hate-filled speech, and violence in the world today, we ask you to deliver us from evil. Search our hearts and minds, God, and make us self-aware of our own sinful nature and let it not rule over us. We offer ourselves to you. Help us to know your ways, teach us your paths, and lead us in your truth. Grant us forgiveness and help us to forgive others. We ask for discernment to recognize the evil around us. Give us the voice to speak out and the courage and will to take action against it. Open our eyes to see and our hearts to help those in need. Help us to love as you love. God of compassion and all comfort, we are all in need of prayer. We pray for those who are enduring droughts, floods, famine, and extreme heat. Comfort them and give them the strength to endure. We pray for people whose lives are affected by violence and oppression. We ask for your peace to calm their fears and soothe their troubled hearts. We pray for the homeless, the unemployed, and the underemployed. Comfort the sick and those with broken lives and broken hearts. Take the worry from our minds, merciful God. When we fear what lies ahead, help us to remember that you are our companion through the difficult times and that you have promised us great blessings. Help us to keep our minds focused on you, to wait for you, 
Lord, for you alone are our help and shield. Heal us, merciful God. We pray for the peace of your presence for the sick, the grief-stricken, and all who feel helpless as they or their loved ones struggle with mental illness, drug addiction, dementia, fatal illnesses, or the aftermath of violence. Help them to recognize that they aren't helpless. You are their refuge and strength. Lord, in the midst of our anxieties, we know that you are near. We present our request, God, confident that your peace, which transcends all understanding, will guide our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of your beloved, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And now we pray together the prayer from our Lord Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We continue to worship God by presenting our tithes and offerings. Ich danke dir, Gott, und sei 
Merciful God, everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. We joyfully release what you have entrusted to us. May these gifts be signs of our whole lives returned to you, dedicated to the healing and unity of all creation. Through Jesus Christ. Amen.